You're listening to Calvary La Habra's podcast. For more information, visit us at calvarylh.com. Thanks for listening. Uh, let's turn our Bibles over to Romans 6. And uh, just a couple of thoughts before we go out and, and um, baptize all these people. You know, we are going through the book of Acts on... Um, Sunday mornings, and I just, I have so enjoyed church on Sunday mornings. Not that I don't enjoy the Wednesday night if you're a Wednesday night person, but um, I, I love what God is doing in our hearts. What we're learning through the book of Acts is so uh, appropriate for our day. Um, I loved the coming out of chapter 18 and moving into chapter 19, the questions. Um, there was that question that Paul had with some religious guys in the city of Ephesus. And it was just a, a, a real good question, looking into their eyes and just like, hey, when you guys believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And what I've, I've really desired for all of us as a church was to just, if you've walked with the Lord for any amount of time, um, I just felt it was so good to, to get back to some basics, and the book of Acts will do that. When we begin to learn what Jesus was building, he birthed the church, and this is what he's going to build. And, and, and identity is important, understanding who we are in Christ, um, understanding what he has done in our life, understanding that uh, in a day and an age where a lot of people use terms like Christian, I'm a Christian, but you might look at their life and say, well, that doesn't line up with what we see um, redeemed lives. When Jesus redeems lives in the book of Acts, it doesn't, it doesn't quite line up with that. And so there's some good questions. Um, and I think there's a lot of reasons to ask people about the Holy Spirit. Do you understand who the Holy Spirit is? Do you understand his role in your life? Do you understand the spirit of God's role in conversion? Do you understand the spirit of God's role as he comes alongside you and assists you? When we get into chapter 19, there's six verses, and in six verses, Paul, well, Luke, um, talks about three baptisms. And if you were just reading through it, you, you would, if you weren't somewhat a student of God's word, you'd be like, okay, what is this, this baptism unto the Lord Jesus Christ? That's one. What is this baptism unto John, number two, and then this baptism of the Holy Spirit? And tonight we're having water baptism. And so when we go through this, I think it's very important to understand, like, like biblically, what does the Bible say we're to do? And do we understand this? And in the, the book of well, the, the letter to the Romans, Paul it's, it's rich in doctrine. It's very rich in helping us understand um, that, first and foremost, I kind of look at it as we're all invited into the courtroom of God, if you will. And then the first you know, few chapters, he's helping us all understand that we're sinners. And, and how, many, how many times have you shared with someone or others where they just have a hard time believing that they're a sinner, that, that they are born subject to the wrath of God? But 
that's what God wants us to understand. And he, he invites us into his courtroom. And he's like, look, Jew and Gentile alike, that's what he does. You're both guilty. We all have sinned and fall, fallen short of the glory of God. There's a wage to sin. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ um, our Lord. And then when, when he gets into like, like chapter 5 really there, he really begins to talk about God's work in salvation as it relates to grace. Grace as it relates to sin. And um, one of the things he says in chapter 5 is that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he would go on to say where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And what, what I believe was going on is Paul would hear some of the challenges that believers were having, not only just in letters or in informants that would come and let them know what's going on in the churches, but maybe just talking to people. And he knew that, that, that people were having a hard time understanding their identity in Christ. They were under, having a difficult, get, excuse me, a difficult time talking, um, a difficult time <laughs> understanding sin and sin nature, and then God's part in that, the unmerited favor of God, which is grace. And he knew that there would be people that would be like, wow, you know, where, where God's grace is brought in, like this, there's this sinner and this sinful nature and the unmerited favor comes in. It's like it, it really amplifies God's grace. And I believe he got word that there was people abusing grace, not understanding grace, and it really comes back to just not understanding their identity in Christ. And so in chapter 5, that's what he's doing. He's bringing them back to like, a full understanding of sin, a full understanding of God's grace as it relates uh, to sin. And then he would begin in chapter 6 with saying, well, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And he answers that question, certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? And he's talking about um, not, not just like a Christian occasionally falling into sin. Every Every Christian does that. Amen? Can you raise your hand if you sin? And if, if you don't think you do, you're lying. So you're sinning. But he's speaking of this intentional, willful sitting as like this established pattern of life. And as, as new creations, the idea is like we, we should live new lives if we have been made new. And the idea should, it's like the question, should we continue living the old life if we are made new? And he's like, no, certainly not. Perish that thought. How, how shall we who have died to sin, a person that is alive to Christ, you're born again. The idea is that you've died to sin. A person who, is, who has died to one kind of life cannot still live in that life. That's the idea both in the spiritual as well as in the physical realms, death and life are incompatible. And then, and then he's going to go into the next section here, and he's going to talk about, now, now you guys, now that you're under grace, um, you need to understand that your life needs to be marked by that and not sin. And, and in the next few verses, this is important because it's going to tie into water baptism, um, he really wants us to understand how grace has played in, out in our life and how that has brought us into a relationship with God through Christ and that 
that finding your identity in that is like huge. And then the way he would, you know, go about this to understand the nature of like our new identity in Christ, he uses the example of water baptism. Oftentimes we'll have water baptisms and we'll just go straight to Romans chapter 6 and we'll read through what we're about to read through and we're like, he's teaching on water baptism. In a sense, he is. But he's using it as an example. He's using it um, as an example of this, this new relationship that we have with Christ um, and our identity with him. So real quick, we'll just go through this and bring out a couple of things. Verse 3, Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Now again, the focal point of these verses is it's on our identity in Christ. When he mentions baptisms here, or baptism here, he's speaking of a spiritual immersion that has taken place. To uh, the church in, in Galatia, in Galatians 3, verse 26, he says, um, for talking to believers, about believers, for you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are, all, you are all one in Christ. And he's speaking about spiritual regeneration. He's speaking about when we are born again. Just picture this. He's like, we are all one in Christ. We are immersed into him through the Holy Spirit by virtue of the work of the Holy Spirit the moment that we are born again. And he has this phrase, to put on Christ. And that phrase refers to a change of, of garments. We lay aside the garments of sin, the, di- the dirty garments of, of sin and the sinful nature. And by faith, we receive the righteousness of Christ. We put on the righteousness of Christ. We're robed in the righteousness of Christ. So close is our identification with Christ that we are, so to speak, robed with him. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, Paul puts it this way, for we are all baptized by one spirit into one body, the body of Christ. Again, speaking of that time when we are are born again, we are united with Christ. We are one in him. You guys know 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if anyone is what? In Christ. We are a new creation. There really couldn't be a more profound identity or, or union. And then there in Galatians, I think this is important too. As we come together, why do we bring relatives? Why does the body of Christ go when, when, when people are getting baptized? Part of that, it's, it's not just the spiritual union, the, the oneness that we have with Christ when we accept him as our Savior, but it's the oneness that we now have. It's the unity of the body. It's, 
It's being one with one another. That's why he says in verse 28 there, there's neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Listen, when, when little Scotty Joy was born into the world just recently, I mean, I was bawling my eyes out. That's, it's not my baby, it's Trevor and Kelsey's baby. Me and Lori and, and Larry and Blanca, we were bawling our eyes out. She was part of our family. And, and it's just, it's, this, it's the bond through blood. But you and I in this room, when, when, when a person accepts the Lord, we should be, or one of our, we should be like, we should be moved by that. And then not just the fact that, wow, they've been saved from, or old things have become passed away and all things have become new, but we have a new family member. We, we have... We, we have a new Scotty Joy, if you know what I mean. Just a new child of God in the family of God. And I think the church needs to wake up to this. I think as individuals, we need to wake up a little bit more to our identity in Christ. And I think we need to get a little bit more excited about our identity as the body of Christ. Amen. Really. You know, in, the, in most third world countries, I was reading up on this recently. In most third world countries... Through, through Christian movements, when people accept the Lord, they like baptize them right away. It, it's like a big thing in most third world countries to say, I'm part of that now. I'm, I'm one in Christ and I'm one with that body. And in America, in, and I know in our church, there's that, that flame that used to be like, man, I, I want to be bold and open and I've accepted the Lord. When can I get baptized? That that flame is not as bright, and I would love to see the Lord ignite that in our hearts um, once again. Again, understanding our identity in Christ and understanding our identity in the body of Christ should bring complete elation. Just, we should be just stoked about that. But baptism bears with it the idea of identification. And it's, it's especially when it's linked to a person's name. Paul used that term... In Acts 19, that you are, to people, when these guys were born again, they were baptized in Christ Jesus. In 1 Corinthians 12, 2, it tells us that the nation of Israel, referring back to those who followed um, Moses out of the wilderness, that they were baptized unto Moses. And it was a way of saying how knit they were to him as their leader through identifying, that's our leader. He would identify with them and say, those are the people I lead. And that is so true when we look at, at water baptism as well, or spiritual baptism, if you will, spiritual regeneration, where we are baptized into Christ when we're born again. It's, it's all about his identity. It's identifying with him. And a couple of things that he says here, number, number one in verse three, it says, or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And so, you know, as Jesus died, so my old life has died. Okay, and I, I hear an amen with that. <laughs> we're excited about that. And as I'm, as I'm baptized in water, again, he's using this just as an example of what our identity is in Christ. But as 
as we will, we will stand there, and it's very special, all of you that are going to get baptized, I, when you walk into those waters in just a few minutes, I just want you to know how crazy special it is to us here at the church. Your, your relatives, our staff, um, there'll be tears out there. We, we are thinking through, not just like, oh, you're making such a great step of faith, and that is, to acknowledge your faith in Jesus openly and publicly, but we know that as we do this, we are looking back and remembering the union that I have with Jesus. Listen, on the cross. How many of you guys think about it that way? There's this identification. I am, I'm thinking back to where he made me one with him. I'm thinking back to what he did to make that happen. I was thinking about this today. When I think about my sinful nature, where do I go back to? Adam. When I think about the fall and I think about identifying with that, I have no problem in my mind. Really, I don't. I just, I'm like, oh yeah, it's, so, Lance, where'd you get that sinful nature? I could blame it on my parents, but then they have to blame it on their parents. And it doesn't end until they hit Adam. That's, I, I can identify with that. That's my old nature. Well, Lance, where'd you get this new nature? You're the new you. I don't go back to Adam. I go back to the new Adam, which is Jesus Christ. And I go back to what he did on the cross. Identifying with my old nature, I go back to what Adam did in the garden. When I identify with my new nature, where that began, my identity in Christ, I go back to the cross. And we should. When when we're baptizing people, we should be thinking, man, they are... They are remembering, they're identifying with that. And at the same time, as we put them underwater, it's a picture of the grave. It's a picture of what has happened to the old man. And that that old man is reckoned to be dead. We're buried with him through baptism, he says in verse 4. And then he would go on to say, And just as Christ was raised from the dead, even so we now walk in the newness of of life. So I'm, I'm definitely, as I'm being baptized, I'm looking back and remembering that union that I have with him. In his death, the old man is dead, but I'm also, I'm also identifying with the resurrection of Jesus Christ because the new life that we have is through the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Paul would say that I've been crucified with Christ in Galatians 2.20. Nevertheless, I, I, I just, I no longer live in that sense, the old man. But I now live this life of faith. It's Christ who lives within me. It's the power of Jesus Christ that lives within me. And so the same power that raised Jesus from the dead has raised me to new life um, in him. And then... I'm just going to read through this and we're going to go out there. For if we have been united together in the likeness of a death, his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin. For he who has died has been freed from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, dies no more, 
Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life that he gives, he lives unto God. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Therefore, because of what Jesus Christ has done in saving us and giving us new life by the power of the resurrection, that new life that he has given us, Don't let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey its lust. Don't present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Someone that is truly born again has been given new life. And and that new life, the new creation that we are as Christians, God has, he empowers that life. He, He empowers us to have victory over temptation, to say no to sin, to say no to the to the old way of life. And so oftentimes when we bring people up and we're we're like, man, you are you are picturing to everybody here that you are a Christian. You have buried the old man. You're picturing that. You're picturing identifying with Jesus Christ on the cross and what he has done. And and when you think about how that plays out in identity, think of a person who's living with guilt because they, they, they don't understand forgiveness. Then think of a person who understands forgiveness and they don't live with guilt. What's the difference? Their identity. For a Christian, we we identify with Christ. We understand that the moment that we accept him, our sins, past, present, and future, are gone. He takes those from us. Amen? And he paid for that on the cross. It's already been, the price has already been paid. And so in that sense, we're like, you you are redeemed. You've been bought with a price. You You are adopted. You are a child of God. You are an heir of Christ. You're a new creation. And and that's nothing you've done. You simply put your faith in the one who does that. And we're bringing you up and we're picturing to everybody the new life that Jesus Christ has given you. And that's why people should be celebrating. Like, wow, (laughs) that person's going to heaven. That person has new, new life with new power. That person has the ability to have victory over sin because of the new life of Jesus Christ that, that they now live. So this is, this is all part of our, our celebration. We've been robed in the righteousness of Christ. We've been given the spirit of God. We've been given the power of God that will enable us to walk a victorious life and find victory over sin. We are, we are robed in the righteousness of Christ. And we're just different We're just a different, peculiar people on this planet. And we're just passing through. Amen? Amen. How many of you are glad we're just passing through, by the way? So for all of you that are going to be baptized, I know we've got some little ones and the parents have had to talk with them and all that. Um, I I just felt it was important to really dig in a little bit on this again and just maybe remind ourselves of the identity that we have in Christ. 
and be secure in that, um, find freedom in that, find victory in that, freedom over guilt. Um, how many of you need to be reminded sometimes that, that your, 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 your sin has been nailed to the cross? Isn't that great? We of all people on this planet can walk with a cleansed conscience through this planet. Amen. We of all people can put our head on the pillow at night. You paid the price. Thank you. And when we blow it, not if, when. <laughs> can I hear an amen? amen. Yeah, there's some honesty now. You've come clean. We can confess our sins. And he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's what we're celebrating. We're celebrating people who have given their life to Jesus Christ. We're celebrating their identity in Christ. We're celebrating what Christ has done, what he's done with their sin. We're celebrating the new life. We're celebrating the fact that the old life can be reckoned as dead because of the new life in Christ. And we're celebrating the resurrection power that lives on in these people and gives them victory to follow Jesus Christ. So Lord, we, we just thank you for your word again. And the book of Romans has just got so many rich doctrinal insights in it. And, and as we reflect a bit um, on just this word baptism, we thank you for our baptism into Christ. That we thank you for saving us. And we thank you for the identity that we gain the moment that we are saved. We thank you that we can be baptized with the Holy Spirit as well. That as we can ask you to fill us, you will. You will come upon us. And you'll give us more power to be effective witnesses unto you. We thank you that there are those here in our church that are excited enough about... Um, accepting you and, and, and making a pull, goal, bold public statement to their loved ones, their friends, and their church that they are yours. We pray that as we go out there, this would be a, a, just a blessed time for them, that you'd meet us out there. Holy Spirit, just come upon us out there. And may it be a, a, just a joy-filled celebration as we um, celebrate with these who are making this um, public statement. May this day, this night, this event just be etched upon their heart and their mind. May their identity in you, Jesus, just, just hold them. May they be able to look back on this as a benchmark and just say, I'm a child of God. I am, I am blood-bought. I'm redeemed. He has taken my sin. He has given me new life. May they never forget that, Lord. We love you and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.